Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ask Dr. Jessica, the podcast where I interview experts with the goal to help you worry less about parenting. I'm your host and pediatrician, Dr. Jessica Hockman. Today's guest is the best pediatrician, my dad, Dr. Andrew Matthew. We will talk about childhood illnesses and how they've improved over the years. For those of you who don't know, I practice pediatrics alongside my dad, and it's really the best. He's incredibly hardworking, devoted, and truly my role model. I learn from my dad every day, so I'm thrilled to share some of his wisdom and stories with you. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would be so grateful if you would take the time to leave a review. It really helps the podcast grow. Dad or Dr. Matthew, I have been asked by many, many people if you were ever going to come join the podcast. So I'm so excited that you're here. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, although I've probably have been reluctant to get on the podcast. <laughs> this is your first podcast. Yes. But you are very good at telling stories. You're a very good pediatrician. So I think you're going to be a natural. Well, coming from you, thank you. So I wanted to just talk to you about being a pediatrician and what it's like. Um, how many years have you been a pediatrician now? I've been in practice for 43 years plus. Do you like it? I still like it. I still enjoy the stimulation. I enjoy the patients. And I'm happy doing it. So 43 years, do you feel like it's changed as you've practiced? Or do you feel like it's been as rewarding the entire time? It's just as rewarding. And what I noticed that's positive is that kids are healthier now. Do you really think so? I do, for the following reasons. One, immunization has taken away a lot of different types of meningitis. That The HIV vaccine and the, and the Prevnar vaccine have pretty much eliminated. But also because of the Prevnar vaccine, we don't see as much ear infections. The treatment for diabetes is far superior than it was than when I finished my residency or in early practice. The treatment for neonates and newborns and preemies is much better. Um, and the treatment of asthma is just remarkably different than what we did early in practice and especially during residency. It's very rare now that I admit somebody to the hospital. So that's why I think kids are healthier now than before. So when you first started in practice, was it more common that you'd see kids get sick enough where they had to stay in the hospital overnight? Yes. A lot of our croup patients were in the hospital overnight. We used to routinely do spinal taps on people who had febrile convulsions, which no one does anymore. We used to admit more for pneumonia. We used to admit for meningitis, for asthma, for viral gastroenteritis. So kids would be admitted for vomiting and dehydration. We don't have to do that so much anymore. Wow. So it sounds like not only is your job less stressful in a lot of ways, but also kids are, are better. They're healthier. Right. And the, as far as being less stressful, back in the day, we used to attend all the C-sections. So I could be in my office and then the hospital called me to attend a C-section at three in the afternoon. I'd have to just drop everything and go to the hospital, reschedule all my patients in the office. Or I would be asked to go attend a C-section in the middle of the night. And there was one up, up top, up, one time where I had three C-sections in the middle of the night. So I was leaving my house, coming back home to go to the hospital three times. Um, and then they're going to work the next day. I have to be honest. I've heard this story a lot, but not so much from you. Well, <laughs> Mostly correct. from, uh, you know who? My better half. Yes. Yes. She she definitely recalls being you getting up many times in the night, having to go to the hospital 
and then come back and go to work the next day. But I have to be honest, you don't complain very much. Once you complain, you start to be worn down and have a bad attitude, and that's not going to be where I'm going to be. It's really admirable. So I, just as a side note, there's many a times where I'll complain about a night on call. I'll tell my dad, oh my goodness, I got a phone call in the middle of the night about, um, you know, I don't, not to not to throw the hospital under the bus, but they'll call about a, a phone call that maybe could have waited a couple hours and they'll wake me at three, four in the morning. I can't go back to sleep. And I'll tell my dad about it. And do you know what your advice is to me? I think so. <laughs> Probably just to like, just don't worry about it and go back to bed. That's what you say. You say, if you let it bother you and get into your skin, then you're going to stay up and you're the only one that loses. That is correct. So I, I'm, it's an impressive skill that I'm working on mastering. I don't know if I'll ever get there. But. I, I think you will. <laughs> I think you will. So, okay, just to bring it back to immunizations, I think this is really interesting to talk to you about because not a lot of pediatricians have the perspective of practicing before their immunizations. I think we, a lot of us, uh, we don't want to, but we can take them for granted because we didn't, we're not exposed to uh, illness in the way that you were. The immunizations that we did have were the wholesale DTA, DTP, polio, diphtheria. We had the separate measles, separate muscles, separate rubella. And we used to do TB tests all the time. Now they combine the MMR. There's no longer the whole cell DTAP, but it's the acellular pertussis. So we don't get the reactions from the DTP that we used to get. And then they've added the HIB, the Prevnar, the hepatitis B, hepatitis A, the chickenpox vaccine. So all those, and, oh, and the Gardasil vaccine. So a lot of immunizations have been added in to our repertoire. So I think this is a really good point because so many patients will say, oh my goodness, there's so many more vaccines today than there were in the 80s, let's say. Um, but what you're describing is we have, as a huge benefit, a lot healthier children. Undeniably. I mean, I have never had to have a kid need a liver transplant because of getting hepatitis B. For hepatitis A, in the past, we used to use whole, we would give uh, gamma globulin, which was obtained from people donating blood, and give gamma globulin shots. And that was from pooled gamma globulin. Well, we don't do that anymore. And the hepatitis A vaccine just certainly makes sense if you're going to be traveling and you might get something from bad food or bad water. Chickenpox used to be take kids out of school for like two weeks, and then later on in life, they could end up getting shingles. So the chickenpox vaccine pretty much eradicates that possibility. Uh, the Gardasil vaccination helps women as far as getting possible cancer later on in life. It helps men too, not with cervical oh, yes. cancer, obviously, but with anal cancer and some of the head and neck cancers. That is correct. Yeah. And where, just, just out of curiosity, since... Um, certain vaccines, are you also seeing fewer ear infections? Do you notice? Most definitely. Yeah. And as a result, fewer kids are going to get tubes put in their ears. It's really nice. It's really nice for the family. The Hib vaccine. So a lot of parents wonder what Hib is for. Hib was a vaccine that protects against a type of meningitis, but it could also cause pneumonia, could also cause a bone infection, and also was involved with an entity called epiglottitis. So back in the day when you had a kid with a croupy cough, you had to distinguish whether it was croup or acute laryngotracheobronchitis or epiglottitis. Epiglottitis was a 
medical emergency. So I've only had one case of epiglottitis, and that kid had to go to surgery to get intubated in the operating room with an ENT nearby because if the intubation didn't was not successful, then the kid would require to have a, a tracheotomy. And that sounds really stressful. What is t- tell everyone what is a tracheotomy? Simply, uh, an incision is made in your throat, and they put a tube in so you can breathe, and so you bypass the epiglottis. So, and again, I've only had one, but but I'll tell you one thing: it was really scary when we had that patient. Wow. So you're grateful for the vaccines on the whole. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and as far as not giving a vaccine or the complications from the vaccine, I've never reported to the vaccine adverse event reporting system in Washington or with the CDC. So none of my patients have had a bad reaction from that. So in your 43 years of practice with all the vaccines you've given, you've never felt like there's been a reaction. I mean, aside from the typical fevers, maybe arm swelling, typical vaccine side effects. You've never seen anything great enough to report. No. That's really good to hear. Honestly. I'm I'm happy about it. (laughs) Honestly. Good. Um, Now, just to ask you, so so you like being a pediatrician. What are the parts that you like about the job? Like if somebody were thinking about being a pediatrician, how would you sell them on it? What, what What do you enjoy? Watching a child grow up from being a baby to the point where like 15 or 18 years later, we're discussing careers for that child, where they're going to go to college. We, I like to share music ideas with the kids, books ideas, sports ideas. And so they become more of a interesting individual for me. In other words, I used to ask questions when they're little about what their favorite ice cream is and favorite color. And 10 or 15 years later, that question's not going to pass. And then I find what what's also interesting is that the kids leave the practice, then show up maybe 10, 15 years later with their own family and bring their kids in for me to see. And I enjoy that. And do you feel like, do you feel like the job, do you feel like it stays interesting for you? Yes. Look, it's as interesting as I want to make it. If I keep reading about <clears throat> disease and stimulating myself and, and, making myself learn more new things, then the job is interesting. Otherwise, I don't want to be complacent. I have to say it's really true about you. Every time I see you, you have a journal in your hands. You're reading something new. You're giving me an article to read. Well, there's an article in this week's New England Journal of Medicine that (laughs) as soon as we conclude our talk, I'm going to show you because it has to do with um, like IgA nephritis and a um, vasculitis. I... I, uh... I can't wait to read it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that's so great. So, so, and how did you know you wanted to be a pediatrician? Well, when I was in medical school, it was more like a process of elimination. So I ruled out various topics like surgery and internal medicine. And then I found pediatrics interesting. I had good professors and I had bad professors of and I even learned from the bad professors of how not to speak to patients. And some of my good professors were very um, patient in talking to people, and I, I admired that. And is there anything in specific, like any specific advice that you remember them giving you that stayed with you? 
Well, one of the pediatricians that, uh, or internal medicine people that I saw, I was with, his name was Kenneth Shine, who ultimately was the dean of the School of Medicine at UCLA, president of the American Heart Association. I just enjoyed the way he just would sit with people and talk and let them talk about their illness rather than just rushing them. And I figured that that's a good way to go, let people talk and explain their situation. Do you ever feel like people always say to me, okay, I could deal with the kids. The kids are the fun part. Yeah. But the parents, the parents can be, you know, possibly stressed and difficult. Do you ever feel like that? And how do you deal with parents when they're, when they're worried? I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, you got to put your shoes, your feet in somebody else's shoes and walk around a little bit. So I think if you put your, if you think about how the, from the parent's perspective that their child's sick, they read about the similar symptoms either from Google or the newspaper and they're concerned they're going to lose their child, I can understand their, their anxiety. That's really a nice perspective. So you're, yeah. you're sympathetic. Sympathetic, empathetic, all of that. <laughs> and tell everybody how many, how many grandkids do you have now? Nine. Nine. Do you think Which gonna... may be the most I have in anybody in my medical school class. Do you think so? I think so. Do you think you'll get any more? No. Not for me. <laughs> no. I think the other two are are not going to be giving anybody soon. Well, it's so nice to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You're my you're my favorite pediatrician. My favorite dad. Well, you're my favorite partner and I'm glad that you've been with me for 11 years and it's certainly extended my career. I love you, Dan. I love you, sweetie. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Ask Dr. Jessica. We'll see you next Monday.